welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. And on this episode, we're going to recap all of the racing action from the New Smyrna Speedway, where we crowned a couple of champions. And we had some really, really great points battles that added a ton of drama to the evening. And we're going to hear from one of those champions, Mr. Brad Blanton. He's going to tell us all about his crazy up and down night. And um, there was a lot more to his night to his season than I think many people would even know. So we're going to hear from Brad and uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about Kyle Larson. I've posted a couple of things about how he's starting to bore me and uh, that's got some people stirred up. So we're going to talk about Kyle Larson and don't get me wrong. I think Kyle Larson is a wheel man. He is a fantastic driver and this has nothing to do with what happened to him last year. I think his comeback, his resurgence has been phenomenal I'm just getting a little bit tired of him winning what seems like every week for the last three weeks. And uh, I was the same way. I, I just want to clarify. I was the same way with Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick last year. I just get sick of the same guy week in and week out. It gets predictable to a point. I like my racing to be unpredictable and wild. So um, I'm going to clear that up a little bit. But we'll talk a little bit about Kyle Larson. Give some uh, thoughts on the championship for the NASCAR Cup Series that's coming up here. Um, a big weekend in Martinsville, so we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, I do want to start off by talking about uh, one of the other championships that was settled this weekend at the New Smyrna Speedway. The Modifieds had twin features to settle their championship, and things got pretty crazy. You had four guys within 30 points. You knew it was going to get pretty wild, and it did, unfortunately, on lap number two, of the first 50 lapper, Alan Bruns, Jason Boyd made a little bit of contact. Alan Bruns gets into the wall. His night is over. His championship hopes are done. I don't know if he's going to race again. It sounded like he was going all in on the championship this season. And uh, I'm not sure what he has planned. I know his car is totaled. Somebody said that he sold all of his backup stuff, which tells me that kind of this might be the end for Alan. I, I hope not. Alan is a great guy, a great competitor. He's had a great season. Um, unfortunately, that contact was made with a driver that was in the field to protect another driver. And I'm not saying that Jason Boyd wrecked Alan Bruns on purpose. I've seen two replays of the incident. And um, here's what I'm going to say on this, and I'm not going to dwell on it. Because uh, if you know me, you probably know that that me and Jason aren't, aren't the best of friends. And, and that's okay. But I really like Wayne Parker. He's a stand-up guy. He's a great guy. Um, and this has nothing to do with Wayne Parker, but I, from what I saw, um, and I'm not faulting Jason Boyd for being on the racetrack. He has just as much right to, to be in the race as anybody else that was in the field that night, because it is open competition. Anybody that shows up with a race car that is legal is welcome to race. But what I saw on, on the restart, and, and we all knew that Jason Boyd was a car in the field to help protect his driver to win a championship. Okay. I don't believe that Jason Boyd was in the field to wreck anybody on purpose. Was he there to make it difficult? Sure, absolutely. But, you know, I think we, we've seen that with teammates before, even this season in other classes. So there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but watching the replay, you can definitely see Boyd, for whatever reason, and I don't drive the race car, so I don't know, uh, he lets up off turn number two and stacks up the field. You got Timmy Moore, one of the championship contenders, to his outside. You've got Alan Bruns. To his inside, those drivers, they, they know why Jason Boyd is racing tonight. They're not stupid. They know exactly why. 
And despite whatever Facebook rumors were on there, I can't, I'm not even going to get into that. I don't know what was said on Facebook. I don't care what was said on Facebook. But apparently something was said. It was addressed in the driver's meeting. And I guess, you know, it spilled over. And it it's unfortunate that contact was made between two people that may or may not have, you know, been involved in this Facebook spat. And it wasn't Alan. Alan doesn't get in Facebook spats, but the teams, I'm talking the teams here. Um, so Boyd, off turn number two on the restart, doesn't get off turn two very well. Was it uh, mechanical? Was it, I mean, that car didn't finish race number one. It wasn't good with Wayne Parker in race uh, number two. So it very well could have had an issue. And it stacked the field up. Timmy Moore to the outside. Alan Bruns thinks three wide. And then at the last minute, I, I could just put myself in Alan's shoes. And he's thinking, it's lap two. I'm three wide. Jason Boyd's in the middle. This probably ain't going to work too well. And he looked like he was going to back out of it. And I don't know if he got on the brakes. I don't know if he tapped the brakes. I don't know if he just tried to get off the gas. The car got squirrely. Contact was made between Boyd and Bruns that sent uh, Alan spinning. I've, I've looked at every angle I can, and I've heard from everybody that has, you know, talked to me about it. Contact was made absolutely 100%, but I do not, I genuinely do not believe that Jason Boyd turned down to make contact with Allen. I, I think they were in a bad situation on lap number two of a race where in a situation they didn't need to be in. The contact was made Bruns goes into the inside wall very, very hard. I'm just glad Allen's okay. You know, I saw Allen after the first race, and all I could ask him, I didn't ask him about what he thought. I, I just said, Allen, are you okay? That was brutal. And he goes, oh, yeah, man, I'm good. Thank you for asking. And that was the only conversation I had with Allen uh, as I walked uh, out of the tower to go do some other stuff um, in between races during intermission. I had 100 million things going on, and uh, everybody was coming up into the tower after race number one. So that was very unfortunate. I, I hated that for Allen. He's had a great season uh, and still had a great season despite not getting to start race number two. Um, the contact with Jason was very unfortunate. And again, I, I know why Jason Boyd was in the field. I, I, I get it. But I do not believe that he purposely was there to wreck anybody despite what anybody said on Facebook. I think he was there to race and I think he was there to help his driver. And by help his driver, I just mean be an extra car in the field where if, if Wayne needed a point, he could maybe be that point. And, and you'll, you'll see that in, in team racing uh, in any division. I mean, look at the super stocks. Uh, look at the bombers sometimes. You see teammates helping other teammates. And, I mean, who's to say it's right or wrong? If you're in the field, you have every right to drive on that racetrack. And what you do is up to you. So if it was done on purpose... Well, only Jason Boyd will have to live with that that conscience. Uh, Alan Bruns paid the price, and he has to live with the end result, whether you think it's fair or not. And it was unfortunate that a championship contender was taken out on lap two out of the schedule of 100 laps. So that's where I'm at with that. Um, so race number one, things got crazy because it looked like after Alan Bruns crashed out that Wayne Parker was just going to drive away and win race number one. And um, he blew a motor about halfway through the race. At the same time, you had to keep in mind, this was very important for the championship. You had the 19 and the 16 also having mechanical problems, basically on the same lap. Those drivers did not complete enough laps to pass Wayne Parker after the engine failure. So Wayne actually finished ahead of those two. 
if one of those cars had made another lap or two, uh, I'm not sure if it was one lap they needed or two, that was a scoring uh, a deal. It doesn't matter because they were off the track. But if they had completed another couple of laps, the championship would have been completely changed. And that is my whole point. I did a, a an episode for Hype Motorsports on the last lap edition uh, podcast that I do for them um, where all I talked about was points racing and how exciting it can be and how it can make a rather mundane night very exciting because that's what we had this weekend at New Smyrna. We didn't have we, the, the car count for what it was was okay. It It was fine. It wasn't the best, but we've been there. We've done that. We've talked about that. The points racing made you forget about how many cars there were. It was how many cars does driver X need to pass? How many cars does driver B need to be in front of driver X? And that made for an exciting night. I don't care who won. I don't care if there weren't crashes. I don't care if there wasn't side-by-side battles to the line. The points racing made the other night at New Smyrna a ton of fun. We had two divisions come down to basically the last lap. And that makes for compelling stories. That makes for great racing. So back to this modified race. Race number one, Wayne Parker blows up. Alan Bruns crashes out. Timmy Moore doesn't qualify well. In contention to win the race, finishes second. He's now two points behind Wayne Parker going into the finale. Oh, by the way, Jerry Simons did win race number one. That'll be important in race number two. Because Jerry Simons, not in the championship battle this year, came to win the damn races, and he won the damn races. That storyline kind of secondary to this points battle because going into race number two, Wayne Parker blows up in race one, hops in the primary car that Jason Boyd drove, did not finish. That car was able to run. Uh, It was overheating, but able to run. So Wayne Parker hops in that car, which you're allowed to do. You're allowed to hop in another car in between heats and features, in between practice and heats. If you hop in another car, the driver gets the points, right? So Wayne hops in the backup car, Not a contention for the win. We lost a lot of cars in race number one, but he did just enough. He finished fourth. Timmy Moore had the battle of the year with Shane Held. Oh, my goodness. I messaged Shane the next day, and I just said, Shane, I've never seen you drive. I mean, Shane's been driving for years. He's done many great things. Uh, But in my short time working at New Smart, I've never seen Shane Held drive like he did. He led laps, tried to hold off Jerry Simons. Jerry just had the best car. There was no holding that man off. Jerry Simons... Uh, He killed it on Saturday, but Shane Held drove the wheels off that car, and I do not, for the life of me, know, still to this moment, a week later almost, how Timmy Moore was not able to get by Shane. Shane was determined to get the best finish he possibly could. He held off Timmy Moore, who needed a point for the championship. If Timmy Moore had passed Shane Held, he would have won the championship. But because Timmy Moore, at the end of the day, ended up tied with Wayne Parker, Wayne Parker got the tiebreak, because Wayne had two victories, and Timmy Moore didn't get one this year, and it was an abbreviated season for a couple of reasons. So with that said, every position mattered. Timmy Moore needed to pass Shane Held. Uh, Wayne Parker needed for the 16 and the 19 not to complete another couple of laps in race number one to win a championship. And that is why every single lap, every single week matters, no matter if there's five cars on the racetrack, or 25 cars, every race, every lap is important. And I get crap sometimes because I get excited about a race. Or I say, hey, tonight was fun. I had a great time calling the races. Because that night that, to the naked eye, might look like a crappy night because there wasn't many cars or 
so-and-so had a bad finish or so-and-so had a bad night or so-and-so disagrees with the call. Every night in a season matters. And sometimes, guys, less is more. We had two divisions that didn't get to race as much. They weren't on the schedule as much this year as maybe they had been in years past. But it made their finales more exciting than any finale in the Modifieds, any finale in the Mod Minis that I have ever seen. So hats off to these drivers. They came into high-stress situations. Uh, congratulations to Wayne Parker, outlasting Timmy Moore for the championship. And I know Timmy, he said, hey, in, in his interview, he said, I'm a BPC, but I'm not happy. Uh, he had plenty of reason to be unhappy. He had the deck stack, stacked against him, and he did not win the championship based on one spot. And that one spot could have been gained in qualifying earlier in the year. It could have been gained in any race from last year. It's a matter of circumstance. And despite the fact that you had a bunch of drivers unhappy, you had two happy modified drivers, you had Jerry Simons happy because he won both races, didn't care about points, you had Wayne Parker happy because somehow he was able to hang on and win the championship. Everybody else, damn right, they had every reason to be mad. For one reason or another, things did not go their way. And um, all I can say is that I appreciate the drivers that did show up. We did have 11 modifieds, which is the biggest count of the regular season. That's more modifieds than we had during speed weeks for for the Florida mod type cars. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it was amazing, the car count, but it wasn't terrible. The points drama, even though some of it was wiped away in race number one, it was incredible. It made for two of the most exciting modified 50s that I've had to watch. So kudos to those drivers. Uh, Congratulations to Wayne Parker. I I hope that everybody could convey the energy that I had in those races. I I hope, whether they were paying attention or not, that they were able to enjoy that championship battle because it's not every day that you see a tie for a championship. And we've seen it twice this year. One in the trucks and now one in the modifieds. Pretty incredible stuff. Uh, So definitely a controversial night. Don't get me wrong. It wouldn't be a night at New Smyrna without some kind of controversy. And I hope that everybody understands that it was all the calls. that I'm in the tower every week. And all the calls that were made, uh, I've seen people saying, oh, all you got to do is is wreck the second place guy to win a championship. All you got to do is pay off the track. I'm going to put that to bed right now because that is not what happened. Um, There were some things that were brought up, some things that were looked at, some things that had to be decided even after the final checkered flag but I can assure you that nobody bought off the track. Um, Nobody, uh, you know, nobody just came out here to wreck somebody. The wrecks that did happen, I mean, that's that's racing. Wrecks are going to happen. So, I mean, obviously people are going to think whatever they want to think, but I just want everybody to know I was up in the tower all night and I was listening to this side of the story and this side of the story and from this guy and from that guy. And I can tell you, the calls that were made were the calls that had to be made. And they let the battle on the racetrack settle the championship. And that's what it came down to. Timmy Moore needed one spot. The 1916 in, in race number one could have completed one or two more laps and it could change the whole dynamic. That's the way racing works. It's not always about what one guy does. It's about a whole conglomerate of situations that come together. And man, was that exciting. So congratulations to Wayne. We also had a heck of a battle in the Mod Minis. Um, Brad Blanton came in, separated by just two points ahead of David Russell. David Russell driving the car that won the most races last year with Randy Anderson driving, and it's been feast or famine for Russell. It's been just another solid, consistent season for Brad Blanton. Hasn't won a whole bunch of races, didn't light the world on fire, 
but was consistent. Russell, very fast, won some races, had some mechanical issues. And a short season for the Mod Minis, again, leads us to this crazy championship battle. The divisions that had a whole lot of races this year, their championships weren't as close. They had great races, but the championship battle maybe wasn't as compelling. You know, I'm throwing out the Supers and the Pros. They didn't, that that whole thing was all messed up, but Brad May was going to win the championships regardless, even though Cole Hensley saw a chance. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Um, I mean, we had a great battle going into the final race for the Mod Minis and the Modifieds. That helps make up a little bit for maybe the lack of cars. Man, did things get going wrong for Brad Blanton in practice. He His primary car blew up. You'll hear exactly why in the interview. Um, I'm not going to spend as much time talking about the Mod Minis because Brad, Brad and I have a great conversation. And you're going to learn a lot from Brad Blanton here. Um, he is just your... He explains in his interview, he's a race fan. And that's why he does this. He doesn't do this to come out and be you know, Billy Badbutt here. He just comes out here because he's a race fan. He loves to be at the racetrack. He loves his crew. He loves his family. He loves to come out here and have a good time. And the last two seasons, he's had a great time because he's won the championships. And it was not easy. If you were at the racetrack this weekend, you know it wasn't easy for Brad. Uh, If you didn't hear the PA, if you didn't watch the videos and you couldn't hear, Brad got, to, to put it lightly, Brad got lucky. It looked like after practice that David Russell was going to, you know, win the championship because Brad was in a backup car. David has problems in the heat. The whole night changes on its head. You've got Brad Blanton in a backup. You've got David Russell driving Todd Hott's car. What's going to happen? It added so much drama to that Mod Mini race. And if you just watch that race out of context, you just watch that race randomly on Speedway Video in a couple of years, you'll be like, well, that was boring. Nothing happened. Oh, there was a good battle for second. Congratulations to Mike Rudder for winning. And by the way, I mean that sincerely. I'm glad I'm glad to see a new face in victory lane. It was cool to see that. But with the championship battle, with the drama, with the two perennial contenders in back of cars, there was so much more than what meets the eye. When you first get there and go, there's no cars here. That all didn't matter because we had a phenomenal championship battle. And, uh, you know, I'm going to let the interview speak for itself. Uh, we go over everything from the heat race, to practice, to the feature, and even then some. We're going to hear a lot of things that I'm sure many of you didn't know about Brad Blanton. And he even said afterwards, I may have shared too much. No, I think he shared just the right amount to make you appreciate what he's battled through even more. So enjoy this interview from Brad Blanton, and we'll be back with you on the other side. All right, so on the line with us now, we have our most recent Mod Mini champion, Mr. Brad Blanton. Brad, thanks for joining us on the show, and congratulations on a uh, another championship. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much. I can't believe it. I'm still super excited on Cloud9, and uh, it, the celebration is still going on every day when I wake up. Hey, that's what we like to hear, man. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of a crazy night, and for those listening that, that weren't at the track or don't know the story, Brad went through quite the roller coaster of emotions on uh, on on race day, and it all kind of got started on practice. And man, I'm telling you, before the drivers' meeting, when you, when you pulled me aside, you were about as down as I've ever seen you. And you're a perfect example. And this is why I wanted to have you on the show. You're a perfect example of why you just never give up because you never know what might happen. Whenever I got up, I felt pretty good. 
but I knew there were some things that we needed to work on the car about. And the, we had Ted scaled and did some work to the car. He gave it a little slight touch up on the setup. And he said, just trust me, it's going to be what you need. And I, I said, uh, who, who else could I trust more? Let's go. And when I got to the track, um, I, I went out there, and I don't know if there was something down on the track or if, if maybe I was too timid getting started knowing that there had been changes made, but I didn't, I didn't have a very good time. I was competitive, but I didn't have a really good time when we first started. Came back in, uh, took a little bit of bar out of it, and went back out there, and I lit up probably six in a row of, if not the fastest, the second fastest laps I've had all year. I was super pumped, came back in. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is this is great. We're going to have a fantastic opportunity to, to race for this championship. David's an excellent competitor. He's really, really good at, at racing. And so I, I thought this is going to be, this is going to be challenging, but fun. Got out of the car. As soon as I got out of the car, Daryl said, there's water coming out from underneath it. And so looked at it and it was the freeze plug that's in the back of the motor. And you're just not going to get to that in the kind of time frame you need because we're now we're up against the driver's meeting. Yep. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned David too because it wasn't like you just had to roll into the track that night and run everything and get through the night. I mean, you really had to race because you only had two points on David, so you had to run good in the heat. You had to run good in the features, so you knew you had to be on your A game. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the, the old adage goes – they always run their best right before something bad happens. And, of course, Ted got you hooked up. You've been doing this for a long time. You know how to get around the place. So everything's looking so good, and then it all just kind of started to crumble. And um, luckily, you had the backup car, although when I talked to you at the driver's meeting, you did not sound too confident about the backup car. Well, and I'll tell you this. Before even getting to that point, you know, David got a new car this year. And mm-hmm. that new car... That's a Volpius Motorsports car. So we're not just talking about just anybody. So when he went out, he decided he was going to go out and he was going to buy the best and get the best. And so uh, he got something that's uh, that that car won five in a row last year. Yes, it did. Uh, with with Randy behind it. And I, I tell you what, I know what the back of that car looks like real good. So, <laughs> yeah. So whenever uh, whenever we raced this year, it was you know it was good to be able to be very competitive with David and with that car, but I knew that he had a good piece mm-hmm. and he's a good driver. And so my car, my new car, I have not, we just have not had an opportunity to test with it. I've taken it as a backup. I've gone out there in it. Uh, probably I went out there one lap, but there was, there were mixed groups out there. There were some trucks, sportsmen stuff. And so I didn't mm-hmm. feel comfortable. And, it's hard to get used to a car, even if it's good, whenever you, you got a new seat, you got everything that's different. So I took it for a different practice when I took it for the, a different time before race. It was not a, a practice night. Um, I dropped a, a rocker arm, came off. So Ted wanted to change the whole motor, so we took the whole motor out. He put a whole a different motor in there. So come back. And so this is first time it's going to run. And it's really probably the third time I've even sat in it with it not being in the garage, I think. 
And so um, the time that it dropped the rocker arm, we had gotten down to probably, uh, you know, mid-21s. But that's, that's going to run competitive with everybody. But it, the, it certainly was not where that other car, where my primary car is at. It's in the, in the teens and in the twos. And so I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to have the confidence in that car, but I just, we just hadn't been able to work with it. I think it's going to be as good as my primary. It's the exact same car. It's an Eagle's Nest. It's just a matter of getting seat time and getting comfortable. But for you to, you know, basically run your best laps of the season with the car you've been using all year, you've, we've had limited track time anyway, and then, you know, knowing how much pressure is probably on you with a two-point lead on the final night to have all these problems and then think, okay, now i got to hop in this car I'm not comfortable with. It might not be as quick, and David's got the car that won everything last year. How am I going to overcome this? And I could tell, you know, you're telling me, hey, you know, let the crowd know this is my backup car. This is how we normally run. And I, 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 my heart, man, it sunk for you because I know how hard you work, and I know how hard David works too. But but to hear the dejection in your voice, and we hadn't even raced yet, um, and, and from what your spotter told me as well, uh, it, it almost sounded like you were, at that point, just ready to call it a night. I will tell you, I don't even know if I told you this, but the, my problem started on my way over there. I got to the gate when I got inside and got paid uh, for my teammates to come in with, and I went out back out to the truck. My truck wouldn't start. Oh, goodness. So we had to take the car, the the backup car and trailer in there, unhook, come back out, tow my truck, my battery, tow it off, get it inside, and then get in there. So I really went, from the moment that he towed me off, I thought, this is probably a sign that I should just go home and watch some TV and just try to relax and um but they you know he said no come on in let's do it let's go in there and then when we got in there um um margo was really encouraging yeah just you know keep your chin up then i blistered those five or six laps and i was like oh man you couldn't get me out of here if you uh, at gunpoint right and and then the water the the freeze plug falls out and I'm back to I should have gone home two hours ago, and and so it's just it, when you say roller coaster, it was a roller coaster without the the bar being pulled down over my lap. Yeah, I mean it's you start high, you start you go low, you're high again. Now you're low, so now we're rolling into the heat race, and I don't know, you know, the communication that you had from from your spotter. Were you aware of the issues that David had uh, basically getting rolling? Uh, on the heat race, were you aware that he was um, basically broken at well, that point? Let me tell you the first thing I was aware of. I learned that there is uh, higher numbers on those bingo balls than there are even on the page oh, yeah. for, yep. for the sign-up. I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I've been really good on the draw so far this year. But I went up there, and she drew, I think, out of 75 and she goes, oh, the sheet doesn't even go up that high. And so I knew before another ball was even drawn, that you were I last. was last. You know, I was, I'm last. Right. And, and that, I, I'm last in a car I haven't driven hardly at all. That The last time we drove it, uh, we had to change the motor. And so 
when we got out there, the one thing I can say for sure is the car really does feel good. It, it, it feels really good. And so I was, un- I was comfortable, fairly comfortable sitting in it and getting started. But then I couldn't figure out why nobody was listening and doing what the flag man was saying. I thought, does nobody else have a radio on? Wouldn't surprise and me. So I determined, he kept saying, he kept getting mad because he was saying, 45 mile an hour guys get up to the pace car and i thought you know what i'm fixing to get the pole because i'm gonna be the only one that's listening right and i've been at races before whenever they get irritated enough that nobody's listening or they don't have radios that they just drop the green and so i was like you know what i'm going to the pole so i went up there to the front and when i got up there then everybody else you know got to where they were supposed to get and i realized that uh what was holding us up is that david wasn't moving well initially we thought Okay, so he's just waiting for us to come back around again. Well, then it wouldn't, you know, he didn't get going. So then when he didn't come out there, uh, I thought, well, you know, um, I guess we'll see, you know, we'll see if he gets it fixed for the feature. And uh, so we had a pretty good, pretty good heat race. And I was, you know, I was a little nervous not having much seat time in that car, but uh, it, it felt pretty good. I didn't try to crowd it or push it or race anybody too hard. And uh, and we did we did fine. Yeah, and those heat races are are very important. You can gain a lot of points, you can lose a lot of points. So it's not just like you know, okay, I got to go out there for the heat race and try to get a good qualifying position to make up for my bad draw here. I mean, there was a lot on the line. There's a lot of pressure there, and I'm sure it must have taken a little bit of the edge off after the heat race when you debrief. Hey, you know, Russell's car had issues, and I don't know if you knew what the issues were right away or not. But you you got to be sitting there, okay, Russell had issues. We kept the car in one piece, got some laps on it, gained some points. We have a cushion now going into the feature, and there wasn't too many cars there. So you pretty much just knew at that point, I, I would imagine, that um, going into the feature, you just knew you had to keep her clean. Well, no, not really. I, I still suspected, I, I don't think I'm a pessimist by nature, but I still suspected that he would either get whatever he had wrong, uh, righted. And the other thing I thought was I didn't necessarily know during the run that he never got started because we weren't really focused on that. Margo was basically just making sure that I, um, you know, did the best that I could stayed in the, you know, gained where I could and, and inside, outside, all of that. So I really never knew that he didn't get going or didn't get back out there. I just knew that I didn't see him. Gotcha. Then when we came in, what I did, what I um, thought would happen, probably probably is is exactly what did happen, and that was uh, there's still uh, he's not going to get uh, no points. If he gets no points, it's over. Right. But I didn't, I had could not recall what the rule says. I hadn't read that portion of the rule because you don't usually try to anticipate here's how you're going to back into something you want to try to go out there and be competitive and win because you've got a fast car and you're doing a good job so i kind of assumed that i would only gain a little bit and you know to to gain a couple of a couple of three points or whatever that's only two uh two and a half positions yeah it's only three positions uh at any given point and that doesn't mean i'm not going to have another problem and it Very doesn't true. mean that there's uh, that he's not going to be able to get it fixed and get back out there. Right, and what uh, they did was they he he made an attempt to start, so they gave him last place finish because he it's not like he didn't roll out of the pit area. He was on the track, so they gave him last place in the heat, 
which was seventh, so he still got some points. You finished, I believe, fourth or so. So, yeah, there is still, you know, that gap isn't huge. You, you get a little breathing room, but you still have to go out into the feature and race, and then, lo and behold, he makes a deal with another driver, and kudos to that driver for understanding the situation and allowing him to hop in the car and keeping there, – there was a lot of drama going on with the points, and, and it kept – in my opinion, it keeps the fans invested when there's drama. So going into the feature, it wasn't like – okay, there's only a few of these things, let's get through it. It's like every position here is going to matter. This championship is not over. You've got your point leader in a backup car, and you've got the second-place guy trying to catch him in somebody else's car. That made for a pretty crazy race. And I kind of thought that would happen. So, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily think that just because his car was on the trailer that, that meant it was a done deal because a lot of the a lot of us guys out there are friends. I mm-hmm. mean, um, there, a, f- a few years ago, um, when we were, um, uh, David had a problem, and David actually got in my backup car and did a start and park uh, to to be able to hold his position in his point standing. Right. So, so I mean, you know, a lot of guys out there have relationships that uh, are close enough that they would to do that. So that didn't surprise me and didn't didn't bother me at all. And that and Todd's car is a good car. It is. Uh, and, and he's a good racer, and he knows what he's doing. He's been really competitive out there as well. So I knew that uh, it was still going to be, still going to be on. Oh yeah, and you know you um, you suffered through a lot, and we've learned even on this the show here that you've you're you've gone through enough before really even getting there um, that you still had to go out and you had to sweat these twenty five laps and just kind of run your race. And thankfully for for your sake, things worked out to where you were able to run your race. You had a pretty good battle with Jared. So I'm sure that kind of helped take your mind off the whole points thing. Like, Hey, I got to race this guy. I got to focus on this and uh, everything fell into place and you win your second consecutive track championship. Yeah. I mean, everybody was, uh, was really good. I I knew that I wanted to uh, try not to get super engaged um, heavily because with anybody that would cause me to not finish or to, to lose a lot of positions. So I knew I wanted to still race hard, Yeah. but I, I knew that I needed to, um, to focus on what I was doing. So I knew that I needed to, uh, really focus on, um, paying attention to, uh, what my car was doing and what I, what I had going on. And so I, di- I didn't want to get any kind of, uh, heated battles um on a night like that now if i'd been in my primary then then, hey i would have really been uh trying uh, a lot harder but uh not to say you know those cars that that uh got me they they were faster and they got around me and they got around me clean and they did a great job driving i know that one of the things that i wasn't real sure of is, is i wasn't real sure of where I needed to put that car in order to get the best out of it. And there just wasn't enough time to, to figure it out. And I think that if, if I were to do it over again, I probably would have tried to get a little bit, stay a little bit lower on the track, but I just didn't want to take any chances at, so I picked the place where I thought that it was the most comfortable, most consistent, and just kind of made sure that I didn't want to um, make any mistakes because there was enough opportunity uh, that had presented itself, I didn't want to um, take any chances. Oh, yeah. You know, w- with the day that you had, the last thing you wanted to do is, you know, 
get yourself turned or, or have an issue, you know, running for third when I, I'm sure your spotters, you know, counting points, kind of letting you know, hey, we got a little bit of a cushion here. You can let this guy go or, hey, you don't need to force the issue. Think big picture. And I'm sure that's comforting to hear because when you put the helmet on, it's, you know, you get tunnel vision, I would imagine, sometimes. And you, you see the guy ahead of you or see the guy in your mirror and you want to either catch the guy ahead of you or stay in front of the guy coming at you. So um, good job for the entire team to to kind of keep you focused, to keep you going. And it's it's good to hear that you had the support system with the uh, with the struggle that you had throughout the day. And I'm, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm glad things worked out for you guys. And, and um, you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on the show today is because I, I don't think people, people might look at the final points results and not realize what you had to go through to even keep that. So it's great to, to hear the story. And, um, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just glad to glad everything worked out. And, um, you know, I, I could still tell that, that you had been through a lot after, uh, we talked in victory lane. I could, I could just tell, but, um, I'm sure it was worth sticking around for. What I was really excited about is when the race started, I just wasn't sure exactly. I knew that the the other cars that were out there. I knew that uh, Jared and I, I knew that the the O car. I knew that they were they were fast. And, and in fact, I knew Todd's car was fast too. So I really, what I was really excited and proud about is that once we got rolling, that for us to have the, that competitive of a car before really getting a chance to to work at it. I mean, it has gotten no attention. It, it's not gotten a little. It's not gotten what it what it needs. It's gotten. Zero. It was a. It was really kind of in a, a kind of a start and park kind of category. So to go out there, lead several laps, and then um, hang on to second, uh, and really not lose a lot. You know, I was able to stay uh, in in proximity to the leader and then um jared uh, gets me right there at the end so to be able to get a podium finish for the first time going out in that car uh it makes me really excited about the, f- the future uh for that car i mean who knows that that might end up being the primary once ted gets a chance to uh put it put some mad put his magic touch on it oh yeah once once ted gets in there and you get comfortable with that thing they better look out because uh, you got two championships in a row now. You're always consistent. You're missing those W's a little bit, but um, you know Ted's going to get his hands on that thing, and I, I, I'm pretty sure we'll be talking to you in victory lane plenty of times uh, next year. But um, I'm like I said, what what a, what a story! And this is why this is why I do this podcast. I love hearing from the drivers and going more in depth from what we get at the racetrack because everything's so rushed at the at the track. It's like, hey man, congratulations! What a crazy day. Who would you like to thank? But you get to take the time here and really dissect the day. And I learned a lot about what you went through and hopefully the listeners do. And, um, you know, it's not easy to win a race, but it's really not easy to win these championships. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you that whenever I, uh, we, when we got out there, one other thing that I didn't even really know and anticipate, but I didn't realize that, you know, Ted wasn't feeling well. And so, I wasn't even sure if he was going to be able to make it to the track. And so when he, when he got there, the fact that he would come and still really um, try to help me do this, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate uh, him and, and Timmy and everything Volpius Motorsports. They, the, 
the amount of time and energy and effort, uh, I can't be appreciative enough of it. And so it was, it was a fantastic night. Um, and it, it was the first time that it's come down that close. And so that part was kind of a, a little bit of a new experience for me. Yeah. And, um, and so I was just thankful to have people around me that were encouraging and saying, let's, let's go. Yeah, you can do this. And, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad to have it. And I'm really appreciative of the track. I think that the, this was a great year and, uh, I appreciate everything you do and I appreciate New Smyrna Speedway for, um, what they do to put on a good show. Well, we appreciate that too. And, I'm glad we got you guys a couple more races. I know this season was was kind of light on the mod mini schedule, and then we had a bunch of rainouts and stuff. So appreciate you and and, and Volpe's Motorsports and everybody else sticking around because it would have been really easy to say, well, this season is a throwaway, but yet you were still there every time we got to race. And it really, you know, less is more sometimes because that championship battle uh, as a race fan personally and as an announcer gave me a lot to talk about and gave me a, a lot – I had a lot of fun in the booth watching the race. So I appreciate what you guys do. I appreciate the effort. And, um, you know, you said it yourself, total team effort there on Saturday night to get it done. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I don't, I haven't really said this to anybody. I think Margo knows, I know Ted knows, but one of the things that makes this season particularly special to me is that, um, I, I had all kinds of other adversities that I didn't even, that I didn't even really anticipate. I had, mm -hmm. um, uh, went into the hospital, had an ablation. It's not like major heart surgery, but, uh, had a, had a day at school where, um, took an ambulance ride and, uh, found something that could be fixed. And within a month I had that fixed. And, um, that was during the season. I, I, came away from that and got a win right after um, getting out of the hospital. And then after that, I had some vertigo that uh, happened that I've never had in my life. I mean, I had vertigo so bad I was uh, had to take a day off from school. I was uh, uh, throwing up like I was on a roller coaster ride. And so to, to get under the car, there would be times I'd get under the car, and whenever you change position of looking up to looking down just to – everything starts spinning. So to be able to take that and then go get in a race car and still be able to go round and round fast and, um, and perform made me super thankful that everything worked out, uh, to, to end up and still get through and get a championship. I, I, um, I'm just so, so thankful that the, the timing on everything worked out. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot to go through personally. And, and like I said, if you had decided after all that, that, Hey, we're taking the rest of the year off because health is very important. Um, we totally would have understood, but to, to get through that and to get through all you did on the last night and, uh, everything going on with, with the team, even with, with Ted, not feeling well, you had a lot stacked against you. And, uh, it's, this story is, is very, it's even more intriguing than I could have imagined. So I appreciate you even sharing those um, more personal details. It's uh, it's nice to hear somebody appreciate not only what they were able to accomplish, but appreciate life as well. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And uh, again, I can't, couldn't have done it without my spotter. 
Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's very helpful, even even though she can fly off the hinges sometimes, which I'm sure you've never noticed. Um, <laughs> no. She uh, she really loves uh, being able to do that uh, for, for that team, and, and I could tell that she was – I don't know who was more excited, her shaking the tower when the race was over or you climbing out of that car with the relief on your face, but – um, I know she really appreciates uh, being a part of the team as well. So I'll thank you for that too. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, Brad, uh, again, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. I wanted to give you a, a final chance to uh, to shout out any sponsors, any thank yous, anybody you want to give some love to here before we let you go. Yeah, Margo always gets on to me because I do a terrible job at that. But I, I, I thank her. I thank Ted and Timmy Volpius, uh, Volpius Motorsports, um, I think uh, Wheeler Paint and Body in uh, in Tavares, Florida, um, and then uh, my friend Wendell Hunt uh, hooks me up with uh, a lot of uh, of good stuff to try to help me get going through the year, and then also Caskey Mowers in uh, Tavares, Florida. Also, is uh, they've all been very very helpful and uh, helping me get what I need to to. Uh, a very very competitive team out there well it's very competitive two championships in a row uh from the time that i started the racetrack you're always one of the guys i know it's gonna have a shot to to win a race to win a championship so you guys have put together a great team and again uh congratulations on the achievement this weekend and i uh, hope it continues into uh, into the future thank you so much ryan yes sir thanks for coming on brad have a great day you too thanks <laughs> And again, we want to thank Brad Blanton for coming on the show and um, want to remind you that we are selling sponsorship here for the show, just $5 an episode. Um, Hype Motorsports, of course, is the main sponsor of this podcast. But again, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show and get your ads read right after interviews, right before interviews, whatever fits best in the show, just $5 an episode will get you on as a sponsor. Just let me know if you're interested in that. Um, with the business out of the way, I want to get into the rest of the show and uh, also give a big congratulations to Shane Satoris, who went undefeated in the Bomber B division. He's your Bomber B champion. He took home the $400 bounty from Orange Blossom Woodworks. That's right, we did a bounty on Shane, and we gave him the opportunity to claim the bounty if he won all the races, which he did. There was a lot of chicken drivers that didn't ever show up to try to claim the bounty. So congratulations to Shane. Um, you know, there was no championship drama there, so we didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, but I didn't want to cut him short. I did want to give him a shout out. Didn't want to appreciate his support of the Bomber B division, which has promise. It kind of reminds me of the old Bombers from back in, I don't know, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, when it was five or six good old boys just coming out here doing their thing. And that's where we're at with the Bomber Bs. So I'm not going to knock the division. I think it's a, a great option to have. The Bomber A's are a little bit more established right now, but who knows? You've, you've seen things ebb, ebb and flow. Maybe the Bomber Bs will, will have an uptick in the coming years. But uh, congratulations again to Shane for winning every single race. It was, I believe, eight or nine wins this year. So he did a great job. Even with the bounty on the line, he was able to win them all. And he took home the extra money. And uh, thank you to Bob Sane, Orange Blossom Woodworks. We'll give them a shout-out for supporting the class as well. Um, so, again, we did crown a couple of champions uh also the emods man i knew i was forgetting something the emod championship was crowned man i'm telling you if the points race had been a little bit closer we would have talked a whole lot more about their drama uh matt jarrett had the championship on lock basically just uh, he, he just needed to wake up 
to win the championship. He had 83 points up, which is actually more than a full. He could have stayed home, and maybe he wishes he stayed home because he blew up in the heat race. If we had had a driver within, like, 30 points, it would have been real close there. Uh, but congratulations to Matt Jarrett. It didn't even matter. Blow that motor, man. Blow it sky high. Get yourself a new one. Come on out next year. Um, but congratulations, Matt Jarrett, your EMOD champion. Jeffrey White, winner of the last two EMOD races. Hopefully the EMODs will pick up a little bit um, either at uh, Governor's Cup or going into next season because we've we've lost a few of our EMOD friends, which uh, we hope to see back. So uh, that's a quick wrap on the night. Again, the championship battles, very, very thrilling with Wayne Parker winning on a tiebreaker. Brad Blanton overcoming all odds to win his championship on the final night. Shane Satoris dominates the season. Matt Jarrett has a great year, breakout year. Maybe maybe he's going to move up to the big mods next year. I've, I've, I've heard some various things, so we'll see what Matt Jarrett does here going forward. But uh, that wraps up the season for those classes. A wild night at New Smyrna. If you want a more in-depth look, you can go back and watch the hot lap on the New Smyrna, web, uh, New Smyrna Facebook page. Um, where we get a little more interactive. So if you'd uh, like a full recap, you can go back and find that there. Also, again, look out for the hyped, uh, the Get Hype podcast from Hype Motorsports, the last lap edition, which I recorded earlier this week that should be available soon. We talk all about points and how a great points battle can make or break a season and uh, give my thoughts and opinions on that. So you have that to look forward to. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on here on this show is uh, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson's been really, really good this year. Nine wins. This season had a lot of parity through about the first half. You had Larson with four or five victories more than anybody else. Truex had three. It really took about halfway through the year to realize who the real breakout star was, who the real dominant guy was, Kyle Larson. Got a couple of wins early. And uh, I think he was the first driver to win more than one. I think we went nine races or so without a repeat winner, which is pretty awesome these days. I, I love that. I love that parody. I love turning on the race and not knowing who's going to win until, you know, towards the later stages of the race. You can obviously tell who's got a good car early on. But lately, Kyle Larson has been so good and so dominant, it almost makes me not want to watch. Like, I didn't watch Kansas last week. I had other things going on. Didn't even watch the full race replay. I watched the five-minute highlights on YouTube, and I said, yep, pretty much what I thought would happen. Pretty typical race, I, which isn't good. I'm not knocking Kyle Larson for being good. I'm saying that I'm sick of him. I put on my Facebook, I'm like, yep, still sick of Kyle Larson. He's got nine wins. I think the next best is three. I mean, not faulting the man. He's phenomenal. He got himself last year into a little bit of hot water. Got himself into a great situation this year. That's good on him. But I don't, you know, I know the Kyle Larson fans are thinking, well, you're just, that's ridiculous, Ryan. The guy is so good. How can you not be praising? I'm not that type of fan. I couldn't stand Jimmy Johnson when he was winning all the time. I couldn't stand Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick for stinking up the show last year. Now if Kevin Harvick or Denny Hamlin win this year, which Harvick hasn't done, like Hamlin, he's won a couple of races in the chase. Didn't upset me. I'm not a huge fan of Hamlin, but I'm like, oh, good for him. He's getting his wins. All right, cool. On to the next one. Now when Kyle Larson wins, I'm like, oh, my goodness, who didn't see that coming? And that is my whole point. I don't want people to think that I'm hating on Larson because he goofed last year and said something he shouldn't have said. We've all said things we shouldn't have said. I've said things I shouldn't have said. 
Um, I love the redemption story. When he won at Vegas early in the season, I was like, good for him. You know, I, I think Kyle Larson is a great guy. And I think we all joke around and say things when we think people aren't listening that aren't really what we mean to say. I'm not going to hold that above his head. Uh, NASCAR did what they had to do, unjust or not. You know, we live in a we live in a cancel society where you can't say what you want anymore without having to fear the repercussions. And some things don't need to be said. Let's let's get that clear. Kyle Larson didn't think anybody could hear him. Would he would he take back what he said? Yes, absolutely. Does he wish that wasn't broadcast? Absolutely. Does that mean that you know Kyle Larson is a terrible human being? Absolutely not. I think we all say things uh, that are taken out of context or that we don't really mean when we're, especially when we're talking to what we think is just our friends when nobody else can hear. So I'm not going to hold that over his head. I think NASCAR did what they had to do to save face. And honestly, did it take Larson out of last season? Yeah. But could you imagine if Larson was still in the 42? He would not have nearly as many wins. He has been able to showcase his talent this season in that five car. He has run circles around anybody that's run for Hendrick Motorsports since Jimmy stopped dominating back five years ago. Um, Casey Kane did not perform that well in that five machine. I know the teams have switched around. Alex Bowman, he's got three wins this year, but some of them were lucky. Chase Elliott, only two wins. Last year's champion. I, you know, he kind of backdoored his way into the championship. No offense to Chase Elliott. He did what he had to do. He played the system. He played by the rules, folks. He did what he had to do. But Kyle Larson is dominating right now, just like Hamlin and Harvick did last year. But now he's the only one to do it. So he's the sole guy in the spotlight. Am I excited now when he wins? Not as much. When, when he was new to the scene, he was driving the 42, and he was getting three or four wins a year and getting his first win, whatever. I was happy for him. I liked seeing it. But, man, he's, like, doubled his win total this year, and I'm getting, you know, I just, you know, if there's three or four guys fighting for it at the end and he gets it, good on him. But, man, who didn't think he was going to win last week? Who didn't think he was going to win the Roval? That's my big thing. And anyone that wants to get on me, oh, the same guys win a new Smyrna each week, whole different level of racing, whole different set of circumstances. You're seeing guys that win at new Smyrna that work on their stuff, that – um, you know, they, they take this very seriously. It's a whole different level, guys. Yeah, Brad May wins a lot of super and pro late model races. A lot of the good cars don't show up. So that's not Brad May's fault. Every week, Kyle Larson is racing the same group of guys, the same 36 guys every week, give or take. Okay? At New Smyrna, would Brad May win every race? If Anthony Sergi, if um, Steven Nassi, just to name a few, showed up every week? Probably not. But we'd see better racing, wouldn't we? I love parity. I love seeing more than one guy with a good shot to win. When it, I, I didn't watch Kansas last week. I had other things going on last Sunday. And I just had a feeling. I'm like, Kyle Larson is probably going to win. We're driving the crappy 550 package. We're at a mile-and-a-half track. He's been the guy to beat at mile-and-a-half tracks. When he hasn't won, something fluky has happened. He's probably going to win. And lo and behold, I watched the five, ten-minute highlight package on YouTube. And I'm like, yep, didn't need to waste my time. So that's my point. I That's part of why I love Daytona and Talladega. You don't know who's going to win that race until the very end. You don't know who's going to win a lot of short tracks until the end. And Kyle Larson, when he won Bristol, I didn't think he was going to win Bristol. I thought Harvick was going to win Bristol. 
But man, did he capitalize. What an awesome drive. What an awesome last couple of weeks for Kyle Larson. I'm not saying that uh, he's not amazing. Also, the dirt track stuff he does doesn't really do it for me, but he's great. He's winning all those too, but I'm not going to pay a you know an extra ticket price to go watch Kyle Larson win at a dirt track. That really doesn't interest me. I'd rather, you know, you're at the top level right now, get your wins there, bore me there, and let somebody else shine on these short tracks. But you know what? The man's doing what he loves to do. I'm not going to fault him for that. Just like I'm not going to fault anybody who wins multiple races a year at New Smyrna. You got to be fast there. You got to work on your stuff. You got to be able to drive. And uh, it, it all takes talent. So I, I hope this helps clear up the Kyle Larson thing. But man, if he wins Sunday at Martinsville, yeah, I'm not going to be very excited about it. But that'll be 10 wins. Got a possibility of 11 wins, which is, I mean, that's almost unheard of this year. So if he gets it done, great. But, man, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm rooting for the underdog, as I usually do. I'm hoping Ryan Blaney gets his way into the Final Four, and I'm hoping he wins the championship. Um, but I don't think that Kyle Larson is going to win at Phoenix. I don't think that Kyle Larson is going to win the championship. I'm going to make my prediction, and you all can laugh at me. I'm putting it out there. If I'm wrong, I know uh, I, I know many of you will, will – if Kyle Larson wins, I'm going to get all the Kyle Larson posts on my Facebook. And you know what? If he wins it, damn right I deserve it. So bring on the Kyle Larson posts. Bring on the Kyle Larson memes. Show me. Prove me wrong. You know what I mean? But I think Martin Truex Jr. is going to win Sunday. And I think Martin Truex Jr. is going to be the champion. Yeah, he's been quiet for about the last four months. I think he's about to show you all something. Um, my underdog pick is Blaney. I called him to make the Final Four when the chase started. He's got a long shot. He needs to have a good race at Martinsville. Maybe not the best at Martinsville, so it might take some luck. Um, I just don't I don't want it to be Kyle Busch. Not a Kyle Busch fan. And I don't want it to be Kyle Larson. I think we're going to have plenty of Kyle Larson championships. He's had a great year. But uh, I'm sorry. I'm rooting for somebody else. I'm rooting for Blaney. And I'm rooting for... Uh, I'm rooting for Blaney. And I'm thinking it's going to be Truex. So there's my bold NASCAR predictions. Martinsville is going to be crazy. Um, if Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick get together again, I am doing another rivalry podcast next week. You can count on that. Um, but those are just some of my thoughts. Not, I'm not a Kyle Larson hater. I'm just getting sick of him winning every week. I think he's a phenomenal talent. He is a generational wheelman, and he's going to win a lot more races. So I guess, I guess I just got to get used to it, huh? But um, those are my NASCAR thoughts for this episode. Um, one other thing I want to do here before we let y'all go, try not to run these things too, too long. Um, I want to give everybody an update on Governor's Cup. The official entry list for all classes is coming out Sunday. As soon as I wake up, shake the cobwebs off from another long night at the racetrack, I'm going to post the up-to-date entry lists. And uh, right now, here's what I can tell you. I have 14 super late models. I know. It's not it's not as many as most of you want. It's not as many as I want. I want... We haven't been over 20 in three years. I want 25. I want 30. I want it to be back up to 40 like it was uh, the year before I started working there. Every year I started working there, it's gone downhill. So it's my fault. It has to be. Definitely my fault. But we are at 14. We've started 14 cars the last two years, folks. Um... 
there have been issues with our website. I spent half an hour on the phone with a gentleman from my race pass because I've been getting uh, people letting me know there's error messages. Uh, when we go to register, we get halfway through, we get an error message. I went through and replicated all the error messages with a member of my race pass. I showed him that these error messages, uh, they just pop up here and there. It's random, and I can usually refresh and get through it, but I know a lot of people are busy. They ain't got time to sit there and fiddle with technology that's not working properly. So I believe that there's more out there, especially some of the ones that uh, are out-of-towners. They don't know that there are other ways to register or that you could just you know reach out to me. So I think we're going to have, is it going to be 30? Probably not. Will we break 20? Man, I hope so for you race fans. I really honestly do. I know everybody wants to see a solid field go off into turn number one on lap one of the Governor's Cup. But I can tell you right now we're at 14. We started 14 the last two years. So we're right where we have been. And let's see if we can't get up past that crest. So here's what I have so far. The first entry was Eric Jones. That's right, cup driver Eric Jones. I love that the NASCAR season ends earlier now. It gives more of these guys an opportunity if they have late models to race Governor's Cup, to race Snowball. So I've got Eric Jones. Of course, Brad May is going to be there. Justin Drotty, an old-school driver. He used to drive over here in Lakeland and all that many, many years ago. He was back for Speed Weeks, but he's coming in a super this time. Anthony Sergi is coming back. Uh, Jesse Love who we've seen in ARCA this year. We've seen him the last couple of speed weeks. He's coming out for the Governor's Cup. Uh, Bobby Good, local driver, he'll be there. Jesse Dutilly, I think he's got a real good shot to win this thing. He's going to be there. Daniel Dye, just announced today he's going full-time national ARCA racing, not in ARCA East, not ARCA West, the actual ARCA series. He's going full-time ARCA racing next year, second place in last year's Governor's Cup. I consider him a contender. I think Daniel's going to be very good. Uh, Richard Elkins out of Auburndale has filed an entry. Michael Hind, he's a driver I just added to the list today. Uh, he's planning to bring a pro and a super late, as is the next driver on the list, Colt Hensley, uh, top rookie of the year in pro lates. He's going to be driving supers and pros, as is Jet Nolan out of Groveland in the Anthony Campy car. I think Jet Nolan's going to be a guy that could win both races. Um, another driver that I've been talking to this week, uh, Grant Thormeyer is coming out in the 97 car. He's just got back into racing. He's going to come out and run the Governor's Cup. My favorite paint scheme, not to be biased, but he's got Michael freaking Myers on the hood of his race car. So you know I'm a fan. Um, it's going to be great to see Grant there. And I, you know what? I made that friendship. I reached out to him at Auburndale when I went to announce there. I saw his car. Uh, I told him how big a Michael Myers fan I was. Told him how much I loved the car. And he messaged me last week and says, hey, we're going to come out to Governor's Cup. It'll be good to see you again. So that is why I like branching out. That is why I like talking about other tracks. It's like That's why I like going to other tracks when I can. Um, that's an extra car. Uh, and Jeff Schofield in the 07, who I think has got a good shot to win his second Governor's Cup, uh, even though he hasn't run a whole lot of super late model stuff uh, at New Smyrna. He hasn't raced here since Red Eye in the super. So um, that's 14. Um, no Stephen Nassie. No Bubba Pollard. They might be coming, guys, but I don't know. They haven't registered yet. There's a number of drivers out there that have not registered yet that could show up. And you don't have to register to race. You can just show up and race. You don't have to pre-register. Um, these super late models are the only ones with an uh, uh, entry cost. It suits them well to pre-enter because they save a little bit of cash. But that doesn't mean that 
five, six more cars can't just show up and race without pre-registering. The Pro Late models, they don't have to pre-register. I have about 10 on my list, and you'll have to wait till Sunday to see all those. But I was talking to uh, our buddy Judson, who we did an interview with a few weeks ago. He's down at Nashville right now for the All-American 400, and he's like, hey, man, I'm so excited for Governor's Cup because I heard so-and-so and so-and-so. And He gave me a couple names that I did not have on my list and that I can't put on the list yet because they have not actually pre-registered. I try to avoid the hearsay. Now, here's what I want to clarify real quick before I let you guys go. The names on this list are drivers that I have heard from or that have actually sent in entries to the track or gone through my race pass. There may be a driver on here that has had engine issues. There may be a driver on here that does not have a good weekend in Nashville. There may be a driver on here who, God forbid, gets COVID and is not able to make it. A pre-entry list is great because it is exciting to see names, and it is exciting to see as many names as possible. But please don't think that this list, and and I'll be honest with you right now, it's not where I want it to be for many of the classes, okay? But don't say, oh, they're false advertising. I promise you 100% I would only put a name on this list if I've heard they're coming or they've told me they're coming or they've filed an entry. That There is zero obligation for any driver to pre-register and then come. A pre-registration is a, hey, I hope to see you there. And a lot of drivers don't like to pre-register anymore. It is what it is. I've been pulling teeth trying to pre-register. I've been trying to give things away. I gave things away all year until I ran out of stuff. Um... And I could barely get people to register. I know the website can be a pain in the ass. Believe me, I work on it every day. I love my race pass. It has made my job so much easier. But I know that some of the things are clunky, especially with the registration page on a phone. And I know that not everything works. So just know that I've been doing my damnedest to advertise for this race. And maybe I didn't do a good enough job last year. And I'll take that. Uh, Kenny Roth, who's a listener to this podcast, he has gone above and beyond sharing getting people to notice. He went so far to share all this stuff that he got his Facebook account banned because somebody thought he was spam. Okay? That is the dedication that it takes in this world that we live in if you love racing. And I work my butt off to promote, to, you know, do these podcasts. I do like three a week, plus working 45 hours a week, plus having an infant. You have to love this to want to do this. And there are some of us out there that absolutely love what we do. Even for a racetrack that is not perfect. And everybody says, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, not going to lie. I, I've had offers to go elsewhere. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, I'll put in a word for you here. And I appreciate that. But guys, I love where I'm at. I love the new Smyrna Speedway. And uh, through thick and thin, I plan to be there until they tell me not to be there. And I know people are like, oh, well, you're, you're, you're supporting something that's not as good. You could be elsewhere. I get that, guys. I understand. But I, if I want to enjoy speed weeks, which is always great, if I want to enjoy the days when things start to come back around because things finally start to gain traction again, how can I just walk away from it and come back only when it's good you have to go on the ride and i'm here for the ride through thick and thin i love the friendships that i've made at this racetrack um there there could be a night where there's 10 cars in the infield but if at the end of the night i'm having a beer with one of those drivers shaking hands laughing 
listen to them tell me about so-and-so that's cheating and I just laugh it off like I normally do. Um, that's what I look forward to, and that's why I do this. So Governor's Cup, it's going to be a great two and a half days of the racetrack. Yes, I want there to be double the cars that I have on this list right now. Hopefully, I'll, I already have more to add from what I did earlier. More entries have come in. Um, I'm going to put it out there, and maybe some drivers will see it and say, oh, there's only 10 of these. I have a shot. I'm going out there now. Maybe it'll help. But if you're a fan and you're looking at it and you go, well, y'all suck, give us a chance. Let's see what happens. I'm going to update the entry list daily as entries come in. I'm going to go out to practice. I'm going to have to take a day off work, go out to practice. But I'm going to do that with the sole purpose of doing some social media stuff and updating the entry list. So it may not look that beefy right now, but give it time. We're still two weeks away. Not everybody's going to pre-enter. I'm expecting here's what here's what I'm gonna say before I let y'all go. I'm expecting more cars to start the Florida Governor's Cup than did the last two years. And I can say that with confidence because we're already at 14. The only thing that worries me is you got a day of practice on Friday, practice and qualifying on Saturday. Actually, I think qualifying's on Sunday. I can't remember. I have to look at the schedule, but you've got practice up the wazoo on Friday. You got practice and or qualifying on Saturday. Everybody's got to survive all that stuff to be able to race. So am I worried about losing a car or two? Absolutely, 100%. It always seems to happen. I really hope it doesn't. I mean, last year, um, poor Chris Wright gets through the whole week, and on lap one, something locks up on the car, can't even start. And that was one of our 14 cars. And we're already at 14, so I have optimistic hope that we will start more cars than we have the last two years. I would love to, I'd love to be at 20. God, get me back to 20. I would love to be back at 40. Those would be the good old days, folks. That's what I want. That uh, is that what we're going to get this year? Probably not. You have racing in Nashville this weekend. So you need drivers to survive that. You have the full throttle 100 coming up at Citrus. You need drivers that might be coming here to survive that. Maybe drivers that are on the edge. Are we going or are we not? You need them to survive that. And everybody's hands are so tied right now with what they can do, when they can race. Some drivers skip all these other great events because all they want to do is win the Snowball Derby. Can you fault them? No. Do you want them at your racetrack? Hell yeah. Is it worth their while necessarily? If their goal is that Tom Dawson trophy? Can you fault them? No. And all I can say is everybody is welcome to race this weekend. Nobody's nobody's on the ban list. Anybody can show up and race. We've got super lates, pro lates, modified, sportsmen, um, super stocks raising for a lot of money, trucks raising for a lot of money, bombers, ground pounders. If you want to race, you are welcome. And those who want to race will be here. And those that show up, are going to make the Florida Governor's Cup the entire weekend. They're going to make it amazing. Whether it's 14 Supers, 10 Supers, 10 Pros, 10 Modifieds, we're going to have some amazing times. The Super Stocks and Bombers are probably going to blow your socks off, folks. Racing for good money. The Trucks, racing for good money. There's going to be great things. And I hope that everybody can just enjoy the weekend. And hopefully the narrative is not car count, or lack thereof. Last year... I was not thrilled with the car count, but it was a good race. 
Bubba Pollard, emotional victory. The storylines that came out of the race were better than the narrative leading up to it. And that is where I think we'll be. That's where I know we'll be. Just like last week. The narrative going in, that's all I heard. There's not many cars here. And I said it myself. But you know what? I went up and enjoyed it in the championship battles. Made for a hella entertaining night. And we're going to have a great Governor's Cup. I cannot wait to get on here and cover it. Um, I'm hoping to get the winner on the show to talk to us. Um, of course, this weekend coming up at New Smart, it's the regular season finale. $5 admission to get in. Um, two LKQ Superstock features. Those are the main events. Plus, you got Bombers and Ground Pounders. No late models, so the, the racing action cut a little bit. But $5 to get in. A lot of fun for the kids. Trick-or-treating, uh, power wheel races, bicycle races, costume contests. We're going to have fun regardless. We're going to settle the last three championships, and we're going to put a wrap on the regular season and focus on Governor's Cup. So next week, I'll be back. I'll recap all the drama. I know there's going to be drama one way or another. Recap all the drama from New Smyrna and uh, we'll talk about the final four in NASCAR. We're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR, only two weeks left. So that is the plan. We'll see what kind of drama we're talking about. I love how the show evolves. I, I sit down here and sometimes I just start riffing, guys. You never know. But we will be back with another episode. Uh, huge thank you to Brad Blanton for coming on and, and sharing his story, not only of what he had to endure to win the championship on Saturday last week, but his entire season. So we appreciate that. We appreciate everybody that takes the time to be on the show. Uh, we'll be back with another great episode. And uh, in a couple of weeks, um, there is an off week between the end of the regular season and Florida Governor's Cup. However, I will not be off. I will be at the doubleheader for the quarter midgets at the Little New Smyrna Speedway. And um, I think we're going to get some of our, our our buddies from the quarter midgets to come on here and do some inter interviews. Uh, so we'll be covering um, next weekend on the show, we'll cover the season finale at New Smyrna and NASCAR at Martinsville. The week after, we're going to cover uh, Little New Smyrna Speedway, which we will be in attendance for. We're going to talk to some of our youngsters. I know um, Gavin Gardner is going to come on and do an interview, so we'll get him on here. And uh, we will cover, one way or another, the full throttle 100 at Citrus. I may make it out there for the race. I don't know. It's going to be a long day, and I don't know if I have it in me to do quarter midgets, drive to Citrus, wake up the next day and do quarter midgets again. That might be too much, but we'll cover that, and we'll talk uh, NASCAR at Martinsville. And then we'll give a Governor's Cup preview, and then, of course, we'll cover the Governor's Cup. So a lot of great things coming up. Appreciate you all for listening. This has been... An amazing, amazing experience. Uh, the amount of listens have absolutely blown me away. So thank you guys for the support. Remember, if you want to sponsor the show, $5 an episode, just let me know. I'll take care of you. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to this, whether you believe it or not. So uh, great opportunity to advertise for cheap. And I appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you next week.